Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Well, go ahead and get your Bibles open. Open them to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. You're going to look at Revelation chapter 1, also Revelation chapter 3. And if you, if you can remember something that's not on the screen, uh, I'm also going to be reading several passages from 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 5. So you will be reading quite a bit from different places over there in 1 Thessalonians because those are actually parallel passages to what I'm talking about today. Don't have it on the screen, but go ahead and get yourself ready for that. So... Uh, the book of Revelation, it's known as actually, it's not Revelations because it is one revelation, but it is the revelation of Jesus Christ is actually what we call it. So what happened is, and we see in Revelation chapter one, Jesus meets with John. John is on this prison island uh, of Patmos, uh, kind of like an uh, uh, and Alcatraz come to see. It's just kind of like that. You can't get off of it. You're stuck there on the island. And it was the, the Bible says he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. So they, they called Sunday the Lord's day. In fact, we still use that tradition today. So he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord's day would have been the day that Jesus resurrected from the dead. That's why he called it that. He was in the spirit, which meant that, that he was just worshiping and praying and he was just lost in God. Uh, I tell you, in fact, in fact, even with City Life Night coming up here, well, I, I want us just to get lost in God. The guys are asking me, is, is there a theme for this? And I said, yeah, it's in the spirit. I want that to be our theme because I just want us to be, in, I just want us to get lost in God. So, so, but, but that's what was going on with John that day. And, and Jesus appeared to him and said, I, and this is probably around 85 to 90 AD. And Jesus said, I want you to write down the things I tell you and write things write the things down that you hear and that you see and you're going to write this out in one large letter so all of the book of revelation is a big letter and that letter was to be sent to seven different churches in asia minor and those churches are listed out and then jesus actually gives specific uh detailed information to each of these churches here's the important thing to understand these churches were legitimate churches but they all represent end-of-the-age churches and end-of-the-age messages for us. That's why this is so important to every one of us. In fact, years ago, I used to think these, these letters to the churches that we see in, in uh, Revelation 2 and 3, I thought, it's like, this doesn't really fit with the rest. But actually, it does. It, it fits in a huge way because it's specific messages regarding what we need to do to be ready. The rest of Revelation doesn't talk all that much about that. But this talks about what we need to be doing at the end of the age to be ready for the return of Jesus. But when Jesus appeared to John, I mean, he, he, it was frightening. It was, it was an incredible moment. It was, it was a powerful moment. Yet, on the other hand, it was gentle and it was beautiful. Uh, I, I, I've, re I've read and I've reread this so many times, but in Revelation chapter 1, I want you to look at verse 17 and 18. I, I, I've, I've, just, I've just got lost in these scriptures several times. I love it because John says, when I saw him, that's when he saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. And he placed his right hand on me. Okay, right there. I just got to tell you. No matter what's going on, even though you might feel totally freaked out on what's happening in the world and in life, 
Jesus is going to put his hand right down on you. And look what he says. He says, do not be afraid. Now, in, in these other places, it says like his voice is like, like thunder and like water and like just this huge voice. And all of a sudden, he's, it's almost like a gentle, friendly whisper. Don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. It's the Alpha and Omega right there. He says, I'm the living one. I was dead, and now look. I'm alive forever and ever. This would have been about 50 years after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. And so John is encountering his friend Jesus for the first time in 50 years. And understand this, John and Jesus were actually what you would call best friends. So can you imagine how John felt? He's seeing his best friend at that moment. Jesus, so powerful, so mighty, so loving. And John's also going, but you're my best friend. I mean, I, I think about that and John must have absolutely had just this overwhelming peace come over him where he was first struck with fear and panic and didn't know what was going on. And then it's, it's just like reversed and he feels this peace just coming over him. As Jesus said, don't, don't be afraid. It's me. I mean, he didn't say it's just me because I mean, it's, it's God. But in a sense, he's saying, don't be afraid. It's It's Jesus church. I'm about ready to share with you today. I want you to understand, don't be afraid. This is just Jesus. It's Jesus. I'm right here to walk with you. He's saying, I'm going to walk with you through your season. I'm going to be with you. Today, we're taking a look at the fourth church that this letter was written to. And this is the church of Sardis. I, as I was studying this, uh, you know, they call, they call the people that live in Sardis Sardinians, and uh, yeah, it sounds a little bit like sardines. So that would be kind of a just a little bit of a strange word. I, I, I probably, if I lived in a different city, I probably would have made fun of them and called them the sardines. Uh, I, I don't know if you kind of like we, we we make names for people in Dallas or something like that. But but uh, but this church in Sardis is also another representation of the end times church. And my message title today is this. I want you to get this message title. It's this. Awake, watch, keep guard. Come on, that's my message title for today. Awake, watch, and keep guard. Now, a little bit about this church at Sardis. Um, They definitely knew something about falling asleep, because this is the, the main message that Jesus is giving to them here. And they found themselves on the wrong side of the consequences of not watching, not being awake, and not keeping guard. The the way the story goes from history is in the 6th century BC. This would have been part of the, the city culture. They knew very well about the history of their city. The citadel of Sardis uh, was at its height of power. It was, a, it was a place that people felt like you just can't get in. I mean, it is, it's one of the most powerful fortresses of that time. And the, the king of Sardis, whose name was Croesus, uh, King Croesus, he was at war with Persia's king, Cyrus. 
And a lot of you remember Cyrus. You've studied about him from, from the, not only the Bible, but world history as well. And King Cyrus was coming against the city of, of, of Sardis. And King Croesus, who is the, who's the king of that, he's like, well, we're fine. You know, we, we have impenetrable walls. This city is set. They really did not feel that the, uh, that the, the, the army of, uh, of Cyrus could get through the walls or could get over the walls. So they literally left their walls unguarded. At night, they would just tell the guards, just go to sleep. Everything's going to be fine. They can't get in. Just take it easy. Go to sleep. There might be something bad going on out there, but you don't have to keep watch. Everything's going to be just fine. You're in here. And it was a false sense of security because Cyrus's men found a way to scale up the side of the wall and they got in and they opened up the gates and they literally took the city. So that was like one of the most humiliating moments. So when Jesus, when you hear him here in just a second, addressing them, telling them, come on, snap out of it, wake up. When he's saying that, it's saying something in their ears. What they would have heard was like, yeah, we know the story. We get the message that you're telling us right here. So, so Jesus' message to them is essentially is to awake and watch and keep guard. The, he, he's telling them and he's also telling us. Understand, what he tells them, he tells us because we're, we're an end of the age church. He's saying, you need to not be apathetic like King Croesus was of Sardis. Do not be overcome by the culture of the world because if you do, the presence of the spirit that's among you could lift. And you don't want that. You don't want that. God has a word for you guys today. God's word for you today is God has carried you this far and he's gonna keep carrying you. But don't just fall asleep on God in the middle of this season. Stay alert, stay fervent, stay awake, watch, keep guard because overcoming this world is dependent upon you staying awake, staying alert and not letting yourself not off to sleep. So what is the spirit saying to the church today? He's saying awake, watch, keep guard. Awake, watch, keep guard. Now let's take a look at the uh, scripture. Revelation chapter three, verse one. This is the letter to the the fourth of the seven churches to Sardis. He says, to the angel of the church of Sardis, and just just to remind you, the angel didn't mean like a little winged creature that was flying around the city. The angel was was also recognized as as the stars that Jesus was holding in his hand in in Revelation chapter one, which would have meant like the the head teacher or head pastor, city pastor for for that town. So he says, to the angel or the, the, the lead pastor of the church of Sardis, write these words. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Now he's, here he goes. I know your deeds. There's a little commentary I just got to drop in here. God, God sees what you're doing. Okay? God sees what you're doing. He does. And he says, you have a reputation for being alive. Now again, now, as we go further here, I don't know if this is speaking directly to you, so you've got to decide on your own. Because I don't know. Here on out, it's between you and God. All right? So let's just do this. <laughs> You have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. He says, wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds, okay, look at this, unfinished in the sight of my God. 
That means there's more to do and you need to wake up and do, okay? See, Christianity is more than just a mental ascent. It's not just something we think about. It's a way of life. It's lifestyle. It's something we do. It's what we do. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Okay, think back again on the sermons. Think back on the word of God. Think back about what God has already given to you at this point. That's what he's saying here, all right? And hold it fast and repent. Repent means to turn, to change, to do a 180 degree. Do a, do a change. Now, he's, in every one of these letters, he tells people, if you don't, there are going to be consequences. And that's part of the word of God. Now, this is part of the word of God that we don't necessarily like. A lot of times, preachers don't preach on the seven churches because it's like, it's so negative. It's like, well, no, actually, it's, it's a, these are words of encouragement. But they're also words of warning. Do you think God loves you? So do you not think he would warn you if there's a problem ahead? Yeah. You know, if I saw a, a, a rattlesnake out in my backyard and I, my, my, my kids, like back when they were younger, if they were going to go out and play and I saw the snake out, they're like, well, they'll, they'll figure it out, you know, just like, no, no. Hey, there's a snake out there. Watch out. Keep guard. <laughs> Watch out. See, that's what he's saying. Don't go play with the rattlesnake. You're going to get bit. That's love. Like, it's, it's this. Yeah, some people call, some people uh, have a misconception uh, in today's culture of what it means to, to be nice and kind to people. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and basically saying, oh yeah, just kind of do whatever, you're my friend, but do whatever you want, you'll be fine, everything's fine in life. Actually, that's not love. Like, you don't tell your child, go play on the middle of Interstate 20 out here and you can have a good time and play ball out there because, no, there's danger. And God loves you enough to say there's danger. Okay? So here he is. He says, remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, there it is again. It's the second time he says it. Therefore, we know it's the key word here. I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what time I will come to you, which is exactly what happened at the wall of, of Sardis. So they know he's talking from their own history here. He says, yet you have a few people in Sardis, that would have been in the church, who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. A little cryptic there, I'll talk to you about that in a minute. The one who is victorious, and the, the other word that's a synonym for victorious is the overcomer. Jake, I'm glad you're going to be doing a group on overcoming because that's what this is about. To the one who is victorious, the one who is overcoming, it says, you will like them be dressed in white. So in other words, what he's saying is, there are some of you who are messed up right now, you, and, and, but you have an opportunity to be like these other guys and be dressed in white. I want that for you. And he says, I will never blot out the name of the person, uh, of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches and God give us ears to hear what you're not only saying to our church, but to us personally, because God, you give a word to the church and you also customize it for us as individuals. Customize it now. Help us to hear in Jesus name. Amen. Well, here we hear terminology like a thief in the night. We hear the terminology of the book of life and white robes and what does it all mean? Well, there, interestingly enough, this is a nice thing about the scriptures is you can look for parallel passages. So in this case, we find several 
parallel passages in the New Testament, which I'm going to be talking about because this stuff is talked about in other places. So it's, that's a good way to study it to get a better idea of what's happening. Really, one of, the thi- one of the words that Jesus is saying here is that his return is imminent. Is imminent. Now, that word imminence is important to me because what it means is we must absolutely be ready for the return of Jesus at any moment. We need to be awake and ready and ready to go. At, I'm telling you guys, today might be the day. He may come before we even get to have the praise and worship prayer service tonight. He may come before City Lifetime. He may come before the election, and I'll be all for that, you know. Uh, friends might like start talking to each other again. But I would just love that. But we don't know. It could be 50 years out, 100 years. It could be, I don't know. I don't know, but we have to live in such a way where today is the day. We don't know the day, we don't know the hour, but there's gonna be a time when Jesus is gonna come through the clouds and he's gonna take his redeemed to a brand new home. A a home where there is no COVID, (laughs) where there is no such thing as spacing and distancing and all of that. There's no war, there's no bloodshed, there's no politics, thank God. There's no pain, there's constant health, there's no death, and there is eternal pleasure. Who doesn't want that? Guys, that's what we get. Now, if we're going to understand this passage a little bit, though, we're going to need to look at 1 Thessalonians. Paul is the writer of this, uh, 1 Thessalonians, who wrote this to a different church, Thessalonica, but there are parallels that are here. A lot of parallels. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I want to show you this first passage here, and these are important passages. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, listen to what Paul says. He says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Uh, Come on, that just gets me excited just reading it, all right? After that, (laughs) so you actually, some will somehow witness this. So it's it's visual, it's auditory, and there he is, and we're hearing this, and and there's... uh, angels and trumpets and and dead people popping out of the tomb and I was like whoa craziness and it's not it's it's not like some some zombie thing either all right it's not that's not that's that's way too weird but then it says after that and I don't know whether it's like I've always pictured it as like half a second later so you don't really get to see the first part but I think God's going to just kind of honor everybody else and let him see it for just a couple, two or three seconds. That's my personal interpretation. But it says after that so it's very clear that it's, it's, it's right near the same time but it's, it's, it's right after that. We who are still alive and left will be caught up, caught up together with them in the clouds. So they'll rise, they'll be in the clouds, and then we're going to be caught up to join them in the clouds. The people who are still on earth who are shooting video at that moment, that's going to be freaky, all right? I'll just be waving at everybody. No, actually, what I think I'll be doing is I'll be looking at Jesus. And they will meet the Lord in the air. And look at this. Oh, this is beautiful. And so we will be with the Lord forever. In fact, scriptures tell us that we're supposed to comfort each other with these words. You want to bring comfort to somebody when things are tough? Go right back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. Those are words of comfort that we share to each other. But this, this amazing event is imminent. And we are to live our lives 
expecting him to come back at any moment. When I was a child, my parents used to go out on visitation. They were pastors. They would go visit people. And we don't do that quite as much anymore. I mean, I, I actually do it some, but, you, but they would just show up at people's houses unannounced and, and like knock on the door and like, hey, come on in. And they would come in and sit around. That was, that was a custom back in the day. Some of you who are well, you know, way up there in years, far more than me, if there's anyone in here who's that age, uh, the, you would remember those days where you just show up at somebody's house and, and go in and they host you. But, but uh, my parents would do this once a week on Mondays. And, uh, but me and my brothers, we did not want to go. It was not fun to us. It was adults that were around talking. And my, you know, so occasionally I try to like go with them, but I, it's like, I did not like it, did not enjoy it. Any of you pastor's kids who had pastors at the time, you know what I'm talking about. I did not want to go. We stayed at home, but when we were at home, it was like, mom and dad are gone. So you know what we would do? We would do crazy stuff. Because we, we would eat breakfast cereal at night, which we weren't allowed to do. We would let the dogs in from out and let them run through the house and we would just have fun and fun and turn the TV on loud. And, you know, there were only three channels back then and it was a black and white TV that we had. I mean, it was, there was nothing much. I mean, it's not like we could really do anything very bad, but we were just like living up. But, but we would also, <laughs> one of the brothers had to keep watch at the window because at the moment we saw keep watch at the window, the moment we saw mom and dad's station wagon pulling into the house, we knew, get the dogs out of the house, get stuff cleaned up, get to every, and act like we're just sitting there like, oh, hi, are you home? We would do that. And it was, it was great. It was part of the fun of growing up. But see, this is what he's saying is keep watch. Last thing we wanted was for mom and dad to surprise us. And you know what, even about that story is, is we still had a chance to get things all right before mom and dad came in the door. Most of the time they had no, had no clue. They still don't. But uh, they had no clue. But, but you know what, they came in and everything was just fine. And that's really what God's saying to some of you right now. Keep watch. But the time's limited. But you're not going to have time when you see him in the clouds. At that point, it's too late. Now this event of Jesus arriving is often referred to as the rapture of the church. It's a time when we're removed from the earth because the earth isn't our home. We're actually placed on this earth for a season. We're passing through. It's like you're, you're, you're hanging out here. You're visiting. It's kind of like you're renting or something like that. You're, this is not your permanent home, but we have a job to do. We have a responsibility that while we're here, we have the responsibility to let people know about Jesus. We have the responsibility to make Jesus known. We have a job to do. And it's not, and of course we all have our own occupations or your ways of making money or, or your, your things that you like to do for entertainment and all, that's all fine and good. But we have a job to do in the midst of all of that. And that is to make Jesus known. So this is, that, that, that is a big part of what I'm talking about here. So when Jesus is telling this church, I know your deeds and you have a reputation for like, for like really in other words, like making Jesus known. You have a reputation for it, but I see the truth. You've like forgotten about it and, you're, and you, you, you've, you've kind of like for, uh, let it dropped off and there's some problems ahead for you. See, the deal is we want to keep doing this because ultimately we get to take more people to heaven with us. Everyone here is on a journey. There are two destinations, heaven and hell, and they're very real places. We get the choice Every human being gets the choice as to whether they're going to go to heaven or hell while they live on this earth. 
And the best thing to do is to make that decision as early as possible. Give your life to Jesus because you never know when your life is going to be requested of you. You never know when Jesus may return. Therefore, we live in such a way that his return or even our own physical death could happen at any moment. Now, the rapture is, it is going to take place, this, this coming of Jesus Christ. The scriptures tell us this, is that, that Jesus will return like a thief in the night. We read that from that, that letter to the church of Sardis. That's what Jesus told them. And he will come to those people, he will come like a thief to the people who are not awake. He's not gonna come like a thief to everyone though. But the people who are not awake, who are not watching, who are not keeping guard, he will come like a thief in the night. That's why Jesus said to the church, wake up! As I say that, I, I had a flashback of when I was about 12 years old. I remember my dad was actually teaching from this passage. I have no idea what he was talking about, and I was falling asleep in church. And, but then my dad's booming voice, and when you hear your dad's authoritative voice, and he wasn't yelling or anything, probably wasn't nearly as passionate as I am. He's a lot more low-key. But as my dad was, 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 was preaching, I remember he said, wake up, and that was dad's voice, and I was asleep, and I went, ah, in the middle of church. The whole congregation laughed at me. My friends laughed at me for years about that. But all I heard in, in my sleep, I was like, I'm in, in my, I'm in bed and I'm asleep. And my dad comes into the room, wake up, Timmy. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was that moment. So if it caught you that way, I'm, I'm sorry. But actually, I'm not sorry. Because that's actually what Jesus was attempting to do with this church. The voice of God, the voice of Jesus, which is a voice we should recognize as saying, wake up, yeah. and it should jolt us to attention. Yeah, that's good. That's true. And, and that term, wake up, it has a broad connotation, and that's why I've, I've entitled the message today, which is, which is actually the definition of wake up, it's awaken, watch, keep guard. Awaken means to arouse yourself from slumber, get up, wake up. You've got to get your own self up. You had to get your own self out of bed this morning, right? So yeah, somebody may have kicked you or punched you or whatever, but you still, well, I hope they didn't punch you, but, but you still had to make the decision to put the feet on the floor. Get the cobwebs out. Wake up. It's a spiritual thing. The second part is to keep watch. And that means be watching with spirit eyes. And one of the things I've asked you guys to begin praying for are gifts of the spirit. One of them is a gift of discernment, a discerning of spirits. So you are able to see really almost into the supernatural where you know what is good and what is evil. You're going to have the eyes to be able to see it. And you're not going to be deceived nearly as easily if you're, if you're watching. And the third part is keep guard, which means guard your heart. That is your emotions in your mind. Guard your emotions in your mind. And I just want to talk for just a second about really one of the big challenges that we're up against right now and will be for probably a few, I'd say certainly for a few months, and that's politics and political upheaval, uh, political chaos. And there's, there's plenty of it. Uh, and, and everyone has their position and their, and their point. And I'm, I'm not here to emphasize one over the other because that's, that's not my goal here because... In all honesty, in our nation, regardless of where you stand on the political spectrum, we have begun to make politics and politicians our gods. And guys, that's a dangerous place to be. It's a dangerous place to be. I don't care how much you love any particular politician, that politician will let you down at some point because they are man. 
there's only going to be one leader that will really carry through with everything, and it's Jesus. Until then, we have to deal with this stuff, and we better not exalt them as gods. I want to caution you on breaking friendships and breaking relationships and causing schisms over an opinion regarding a person or a political activity. That's, 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 a, that's not where we should be. That's where our nation is. But can we as the church be different? Can we as the church be different? Can we? I hope we can. I hope we can. I mean, I would love it if some of you were known as people in the community. It's like, wow, you, know, you really, you're actually alike and you are friends with some of these people who have very, very different political positions than you and you still get along and you like them. Like, yes, uh, yeah, oh, of course, why not? Let's not build up the walls against one another. In other words, keep guard, guard your heart. Don't get obsessed with what's happening in the culture at the moment. Yeah, and, and the truth is, here in a few weeks, if you're, if, you're, if you're hoping all of your, if you're basing all of your joys and sorrows on what's going to happen on November 3rd, you will be sorely disappointed. And I think just, <laughs> in my opinion, I'm not prophecy here, but in my opinion, I think everybody's going to be disappointed on, on February, on uh, November 3rd, because there probably won't be, uh, it'll probably be a contested election. Everyone's already saying they're going to do it anyway. I, mean, I just read that the Speaker of the House is already planning to be the president and, and has already stated it. And so it's like, okay, everyone's making plans for all of this stuff. So it's going to be weird for a while, guys. Are you going to allow that to cause your joy or, your, or sorrow to take over your life? No. No, no, no. We stand on something much more secure and firm, and that's the name of Jesus. That's the blood of Jesus. Now is the time to make Jesus known like never before. This is what the Spirit is saying to the church. Don't get swept up in that stuff. And when we get swept up in those things, our hearts actually become hard toward the things of God. And the truth is, for some people, Jesus' return will come like a thief in the night because they're not they have not awakened. They're sleeping spiritually when the rapture comes. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2. Take a look at that in your Bibles if you can find it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, he says, For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Now, I don't know about the labor pains on a pregnant woman. I, I've, I've heard about them. My wife has told me about them. I remember one time I was in this delivery room and she was having a baby and, and she dug her fingernails into my wrist and once that little contraction was over, I said, I gotta run an errand. You know, I gotta go check on something in the hall. Like, that, that hurt. I, I know that hurt, okay? But this is something that's going to be sudden. And, and if you look at the words correctly, you'll notice that Paul says, this will come on them suddenly. He did not say it's going to come on you suddenly, church in Thessalonica. It's going to come on them suddenly. So he's not saying that it's going to come upon the, the real believers like a thief in the night. So basically what he's saying is, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come, this day of the Lord is going to come, Jesus return like a thief in the night toward the people who have never made peace with God, people who have not repented of their sins, people who have chosen to go ahead and live according to their own desires. Now, if you look down in verse 4, he continues to talk. So he was talking about the world right there, 
And then he talks to them. He says, but you, brothers and sisters, in other words, my church family, okay, you, church family, you're not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. So there is a difference. You see it right there. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, okay, because of that, here's the caveat. I mean, here's the important part. Here's here's, here's what we have to do. Let us not be like others who are asleep, okay? So he's, he's, this sounds very parallel to what Jesus was saying to the church of Sardis. But let us be awake and sober for those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. So, so this sounds very similar to what Jesus was saying to the church of Sardis. So we can take this and say, this helps to accentuate this message to us. Now, I want to make this really clear. If you have received salvation in Jesus Christ, you're serving Jesus this day will not sneak up on you like a thief. But there is another part here, and I don't say this to create fear or uncertainty in you because I want us to be certain about our, uh, about our future with Jesus. But I also have to tell you the truth. Yeah, it's really, it's this, is that those who were once, there will be people who were once spiritually alive but have returned to worldly living and they are actually in danger of this day catching them like a thief in the night. In other words, like if a follower of Jesus drops out, quits serving God, lives a life of sin, the rapture of the church can overtake them like a thief in the night. I want to talk a little more about this. Uh, That's actually, that's exactly what Jesus was saying to the church at Sardis. Revelation 3.3, 3, look, it says, remember therefore what you have received and heard, hold it fast and repent. Remember the teaching, okay? But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. So Jesus likens these people that are actually a part of the, the, the church, the congregation there in Sardis, to, he likens them to the people of the world. That's why, church, I'm telling you, we must absolutely overcome this world. We must. Guys, I don't know, there's no clarity regarding where that line is, where a person steps over the line. I want to just give you a little story here. I spent some time with someone close to me uh, this week, and, and, um, talking to them about their family. They're, They're not a part of our church at all. But this person was explaining how their adult son, who's in his 30s, had um, gotten involved in, in drugs and theft and all kinds of, all kinds of stuff that, that, that happens to some people, you know? Maybe you've been there before. You know what I'm talking about. It's a dark place to be. And he's involved in this and... and uh, Ended up spending a couple years in prison. And this man's son got out of prison and didn't have a place to live. And so <clears throat> he opened up his home and said, come on, you, you come live with us, but uh, there are some rules of the house. You've got to follow these rules of the house. And uh, the son didn't get a job. The son began stealing things from the house, jewelry, weapons, 
money, tools, you name it, coming up missing. They began to find drugs in the house. This person invited another drug friend, I guess you could call that person, a girl to come live at the house with them. And uh, things have gotten really bad. They said, you can't keep doing this. We're going to have to send you out. Can't keep doing this. In fact, this guy told his son this just this week. And this adult son said, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to, you know, beat you and do this, you know, old man. <laughs> and uh, really broke his heart. Because at a certain point, this adult son is going to have to get out. He's no longer, he no, can no longer be under the protection of the home. Do you understand that? I believe that to be what Jesus is saying here. It's hard to know where that line is. And I don't think anyone knows. The way I was brought up, I, I do not believe it, but the way I was brought up <laughs> is that if you, if you even sin once, then you're going you're, you know, to go to hell if you don't ask God to forgive you. So I would run, like all day long when I was a kid growing up, like, Jesus, forgive me. I don't know what I need forgiveness for, but I need forgiveness because I don't want you to come. And I was, I was like, I don't want to be, <laughs> so I don't want to think for the night. Now that's going to be bad for me. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, remember, had a bad thought. Jesus, forgive me. And so, so I was always asking for forgiveness. And I, I, I was actually fretting the day that I would drive a car because I knew once I went over the speed limit by one mile per hour, that would be a sin. And I'd be going straight to hell. So <laughs> some of you, you were like, you were in trouble right now. <laughs> But I don't believe that to be the case either. Do you, do you understand? So where is that line? I don't know. I don't know. And anyone who says they know where that line is, well, it's, it's not there. But it's clear that it is possible. Because Jesus is talking to this congregation saying, some of you are there right now. I'm telling you why, guys. That's, this is why we absolutely must overcome the rule, the world. See, Jesus is, is also saying that those who receive eternal life are going to get their names written in this thing called the book of life. I don't know what the book looks like, but it's obvious that it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful book that's full of the names of the people who are going to meet Jesus on the day when he comes with the rapture of the church and when Jesus takes us to that amazing place. In fact, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 26, it says this, the glory and the honor of the nations will be brought to it. Speaking of that city, he says, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's, the Lamb, meaning Jesus, the Lamb of God, Lamb's book of life. Now, I'll tell you, I'm glad my name is in that book. What about you? When I was a little kid, we used to sing a little song in church. It was an old song back then. We don't even sing it anymore, but it was like, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll, you remember that? Except I, I was thinking roll, like people rolling on the ground. I, I pictured that in my brain. It's like, that doesn't make any sense to me, but I'll sure roll around the grass in heaven. That's what I thought it was going to be like. But, but, but John also said there is going to be a punishment for those whose names are not written in the book of life. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15 says, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life will be thrown into the lake of fire. And I think what's most disconcerting about all this talk of the book of life is that scripture teaches us that, again, names that have been there could be literally blotted out. We see that in Jesus' letter to 
the church at Sardis. So the book of life, it's, it's, what it is, it's like a divine ledger for heaven. You see, back in the Old Testament times, they had this ledger that they would keep in each of the communities. And it was a literal ledger of the people who held citizenship in Israel's theocracy. So, but what would happen if, if, if there was this hardened criminal who would continually violate the law, there was the possibility of that hardened criminal actually having their name blotted out of Israel's book of life, which means he lost his citizenship. And I believe this is what he's referring to here. It's the most logical conclusion. Moses mentioned this in Exodus chapter 32, speaking of himself and the children of Israel. David mentions this in his prayer psalm when he's talking to God in in Psalm 69 uh, toward people who are living lives of hatred. And this is what Jesus is warning us today, an end of the age church, about what things will look like. So if we don't wake up, watch, and keep guard and overcome, there is a possibility possibility that your names could be blotted out of the book of life. These are the words of Jesus, not mine, because I don't like it. I would say it different. I would, I, would, I would try to be a little more generous. But you know what? There's so much grace. There's so much grace. I don't think you should be walking around in fear. That's not what is here. Don't forget, Jesus is the one who went to, to, John, to John. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's me. So the church at Sardis, when they heard these words from Jesus, they knew what Jesus meant about, about, uh, about the distinguishing between these who are spiritually asleep and those who are actually the overcomers. He goes on to talk about soiled clothes and white robes, and it's actually a beautiful picture of the culture at that time. <clears throat> You've all heard of togas, you know, uh, back in the Roman times, the, the people wore togas and you've seen movies about it. Like everyone's walking around in a toga and it wasn't like that. Yeah, not at all. But that's, that's kind of a cool picture. And, and who wouldn't want to just throw a, throw a sheet on and walk out? It was more than a sheet. I mean, it was actually nice clothes, but, uh, but, but these, these togas were, they, there were, there was a certain type of toga that was a highly refined bright white, which was pretty hard to achieve at that time. And only the aristocracy, only the people who had a lot of money could own those and they would have them and they would wear them. But you see, togas, in, in, they were not worn by, the, by the, the, the working class. Why? It's because you get dirty. <laughs> you know, you just get dirty. You wear different clothes when you're working in the yard or when you're coming to church, right? So you, you get dirty and so they wouldn't walk around wearing togas so all those things you've seen in the movies that's a big joke because the vast majority of the people were would be wearing dirty you know soiled clothes because they're working and they're trying to earn a living and they're working hard so it was it was totally impractical but the, the the upper class would wear these bright white togas and what it represented what it said to someone when they saw them coming down the road that person has limitless wealth they don't even have to lift a finger to do anything. They just get to enjoy life. That was kind of the attitude. And those who, didn't, those who had soil clothes, those who had working class clothes, they were not worthy of what that other person had. So understanding that, because that would have been the culture at that time, Jesus is saying, you know what I'm going to do for you? There's going to be a time when you're not going to have soil clothes. 
that you are actually going to be dressed in the attire of the upper class. You've got an eternal reward where you're just going to be able to walk around. You're just going to enjoy life. It's going to be beautiful. That's the future I have in store for you. And that's what he's saying. You know, it doesn't matter what your economic or social situation is today. I've got something awesome for you. And then he says, this is the one, oh, Revelation chapter three, verse five. Look, look at this back in our main text today. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. The overcomers, you're gonna be dressed in that Roman toga. In other words, you're gonna be looking good. And I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but I will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. So we don't continue in known sin. We don't continue in that anymore. I do know that the scriptures tell us though in 1 John chapter 5, verse 18, that it is the nature of Christians to ask God to forgive us when we sin because we feel conviction, Right? Well, if you know if you, if you sin, you feel a stinging conviction, and that's the Holy Spirit saying, ah, come on, get that, clean that up. But if you resist that and push back and push back and push back and push back, at some point, something's gonna shift. See, the thing is, it is our nature to know that we need to keep our garments clean before God. So here's the challenge. I want you to make sure that you are spiritually advancing that you're not being hindered with friendship with the world, you're not given over to spiritual slumber, that you're, uh, that you're looking for ways to live your life out to make Jesus known in such a way that you are overcoming this world and this world is not overcoming you. First, First Thessalonians chapter five, verse eight. <clears throat> Final scripture here. Paul gives us some really good encouragement. I want you to listen to this. Since we belong to the day, that's us, Let's be sober. Putting on faith and love as a breastplate. Can you do that? Faith. You're just going to believe for the unbelievable. I can't see it. Come on, put on that faith and, and love as a breastplate. I'm just going to keep loving. I'm going to keep loving. Even though I don't feel like liking, I'm going to love, all right? And the hope of salvation as a helmet. So you see how you are protected against hell because you have faith and you love and you're saved. That's pretty awesome. He says, for God, oh, look at this guy. Get this, get this. God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is salvation for eternity. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, which means that's the coming of the Lord, that means like physically deceased or alive when Jesus returns, that we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage each other and build each other up just like I know you're already doing. Oh, I'm talking to you guys overcomers. He is your friend. Keep overcoming. Love, have faith. Move forward in turbulent times. This is your finest hour. And I know for some of you, the battle is tough. I'm I'm telling you, it is really hard, the battle some of you are facing right now. In fact, the enemy is hitting us with just a lot of stuff right now, but you know, keep that faith going. Keep that love going. Keep that helmet of salvation. In other words, stay saved. (laughs) He can't take you out. Your finest hour is actually shows up in the time of battle 
not in the time when everything is easy. Although we prefer the times that are easy, right? You're equipped and you are well able to overcome. If you're in this room right now and you're not in right relationship with Jesus, now's the time to make it right. Maybe you are away from God. Maybe you are far from him. Maybe you've never given your life to him, but you know, now I don't want that, you're just thinking, I don't want that day to come up me like a thief and I feel like that's where I am right now and I want to get things right. Now's the time to do that. I just want every head bowed in this room, just go, just, just, just focus on the Lord right now. Before we even pray anymore, if you're watching online, I'm about ready to pray a prayer with you also, a couple prayers that I want you to receive. But if you're here in this room or if you're watching online and you feel like that day would come at you like a thief and you wouldn't be ready. It's like, Pastor Tim, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Would you just lift your hand so that I can see it so I can connect my faith with you because I want to pray for you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much. Put your hands down. And I want you just to pray these words with me right now. In fact, congregation, I want you to you all to pray this word, these words as well. If you're online, pray these words out loud. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. I'm sorry for the things I've done. I've sinned against you and I've sinned against others. Wash me in your precious blood. I'm looking forward to your return. So put my name in the book of life. (laughs) Dress me in those fine robes because I'm going to spend eternity with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But I also want to pray for you and everyone in this room everybody who's listening or watching, that you will have the spirit and the tenacity to be an overcomer. Would you do that? I want you to receive this prayer. Come on, just, just receive this prayer all across this room. In fact, here's what I'm asked to do. Just stand all across this room. Come on, just stand. If you want to receive a prayer, just, just receive this prayer. Lift your hands up, receive it. Come on, overcomers. Come on, overcomers. I want you to receive this. I want you to receive this. Lord Jesus, I pray blessing over every man and woman, every child, every teen, every young adult in this room, everybody who's listening or watching. I pray for an overcoming spirit to take us, God. God, let us be ones who are awake spiritually. God, we choose to not fall asleep on our spiritual job. God, we're going to be awake. We're going to watch. We're going to keep guard. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are raising up a generation of overcomers, that the that the, the trials of hell, the, the, the troubles of this world are not going to overcome us. We will overcome the world. God, I thank you, Lord, for spiritual strength, tenacity. God, I pray that a spirit of love will just envelop every one of us. God, even when we don't feel like loving God, we know, God, you are love. That just means we need more of you. So God, give us more of your love, God. Give us more of your grace. God, we put on that, that breastplate of faith as well, God. We want to have faith to believe for the unbelievable 
unbelievable to expect the unexpected. God, we expect it in our homes. God, we expect it in our finances. We expect it in our jobs and our companies, God. God, we expect the unexpectable with our physical bodies and with our friends, our relationships, God. We expect the unexpected, God, because you are a God that honors faith. And we know that the enemy can't pull us down when we are people of faith. So God, let our faith be strong. Let our faith be strong in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.